And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Plus minus. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> Plus minus. Curry driving again. Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. You hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think you got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome to Warriors Plus Minus. This is the 2974th edition of the episode. I don't know if that's actually the number, but it's a fitting number for the times. Slater, were you crying at Madison Square Garden? <laughs> When Steph broke the record to become the official three-point king, did you shed a tear with New Yorkers? No, I swear. When I was rubbing my eyes, it's because we're so high in Madison Square Garden. And I was like, <laughs> was that Steph or was that Jordan Poole? Hold on. Let me look a little closer. No, I was not. I was actually more like, what was the? I was like, who got the assist? Oh, Wiggins got the assist? I don't know. That basketball stuff. It's Slater with all that basketball stuff. All that basketball talk. The, right, emotional. On. The emotional wave that that struck the world i don't know if you asked the question in a post game later but i was it was so funny when whoever asked draymond about wiggins get the assist because the first thing i thought was wiggins is gonna get the assist like that's you know draymond wanted that assist like you know it i asked about it because the night before in indianapolis in his post game he was asked do you want to get the assist or screen for it and he was like pass i want the pass he was like pretty adamant, like he openly that he wanted to get the assist. Does he get the hockey assist, by the way, on the post dump down? Mm-mm, that that's an that's an <laughs> ISO post to Wiggins. That that plays all Wiggins. Draw the defense, make the. Dang, he can't even get the hockey assist. That's messed up. Pretty good pass by Wiggins, though. By the way, like he had to kind of go th- pass it through the key. Couple guys kind of closing in on him to Steph, who was ready for it. Like, it worked, even though it was the the weird player getting it for getting the, the assist, but it was a good pass. They should do it more often, maybe. Hey, Wiggins, maybe do it nah, a few more Nah, Wiggins times. like, yo, this is a bucket. If history ain't on the line, I'm cooking this dude behind me. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll give it a one shot. I'll give it one shot. Nah, I'll give you one since you're making history and all, but next time... I'm you tur- better make it. Like, I'm, good thing Steph made it. Good thing Steph made it. I'm turning right shoulder. Man. I'm going up on this one. <laughs> I got oh, Evan. I got Evan Fournier on me. Come on now, I'm, I'm cooking now. I'm going. What was the atmosphere like? Me and TK obviously weren't there, but uh, you knew this meant a lot to Steph. But it, you could really feel how much it meant once he actually did it. Uh, and I almost felt like because he got emotional, everybody else kind of felt the moment. But what was it like in the building? Well, it was a weird week. I would even go back to the week. You know, you get to Philly, and that was a really good crowd Saturday night in Philadelphia. And he needed ten, and it felt doable. And, you know, look, Mark Stein put it out there, but I think all three of us know, and, and especially in the in the lead-up to that game, we knew they were like kind of thinking he was going to rest in Indy so they, they could 
kind of manipulate it so he could break the record in MSG because I think they knew Ray Allen was going to be able to be there. Reggie Miller, they knew was going to be on the call. Del Curry's schedule, you know, lined up. And it's MSG. But then they played bad in Philly. He only had three threes. Like, Steve Kerr even was talking to, to the media about how he regretted, even before that Portland home game, like, talking about he could make 16 threes. They were really kind of embracing the idea of the record over what was going on with the team. And what was going on with the team is, like, they weren't playing very good. And part of that was because Steph wasn't playing very good. The offense wasn't playing very good. So they, like, really were trying to downplay the MSG aspect and like, you know, the record breaking moment, I think beforehand. But like you said, once you got there and I kind of expected to be going to the arena, knowing of the plane trouble they had the night before, like it's going to be a little bit of like sleepy team. Not that the environment was going to be sleepy, but it woke up the senses when you were there. I mean, you know, it was like, I remember looking at the clock pregame. It was like 70 minutes before tip. Steph had just got out there for pregame warmups. Spike Lee's already in his seat. Del Curry's here. Ray Allen is just arriving to like talk to Reggie Miller. Ray Allen goes and talks to like every single warrior. It was really packed around the court. And I was like, okay, this is going to be something different. And then, I mean, you guys saw it once the game tipped off. It's a perfect stage for it. Not that, I, I think they didn't want to be seen manipulating it, and then they actually didn't manipulate it, even when they were kind of manipulating it. But it's the way the NBA would have wanted, obviously the way TNT loved it. Uh, it got everybody kind of there at the right time. It happened early, so like, you can kind of deal with it and then get into the game. Although, you know, hey, the Warriors still didn't play great, right? I mean, they played okay. They didn't play great. But, like, if you had to say everything turned out for the best, <laughs> it kind of turned other than having it at Chase Center against, you know, a, a Western team that they're rivals with, that probably would the, the one that they would I love mean, to. I mean, this might be controversial, but I kind of got the feeling they preferred it at MSG over Chase. Why? Why? They just, just they were the talking just about it was, celebrities. Yeah. No, yeah, no yeah, after yeah. the fact, they were like, it just, the sense yeah. of it felt like it couldn't have happened better than this. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Oracle. They would have liked it to happen at Oracle three years ago. W- one member of the organization wanted it at Chase, and you saw him sitting courtside last night, like, like, huh. <laughs> 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 he's going to get clay, though. They can control that one. That's the that's the thing is like they still got Clay come. They got they still got all these big events, emotional events where people t- are talking about how they're going to cry. Apparently, the Warriors are provoking a lot of crying in the Bay Area. That, okay, that's fine. But like that's bigger. I mean, I was trying it's to not, keep that big, veiled, TK. You straight, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're straight crying, people crying, <laughs> weeping all over the place here. Fine. But we weren't talking about Steph's record before the season, right? I mean, we I guess maybe we're too close to it. Marcus was was deep in the film room yes, watching he, every step. He through. Was. He was I shouldn't like, say Marcus was doing it quietly, but I wasn't thinking about it that much. We're talking about Clay's return, like that's the big event of the season. So you're going to have Steph's breaking the record, and then Clay coming back within what ten to fourteen days of it. Those are like humongous two things happening within a month of each other. Uh, this team just has a lot of emotional people. That's again why this fast start is so important to them that they can pile up these wins, get this lead or whatever they have with the Suns, that they're going back and forth with the Suns, but get way out there, establish themselves as true playoff and title contenders. And then when they deal with these other emotional stuff and 60% of the Bay Area media is weeping for several days, then they come back and they- I like that 60% drop. I like that 60% (laughs) drop. That's a Um, a shot. (laughs) Yeah, that's a shot. I don't love love this weepy coverage. I don't. I mean, maybe some people do. I don't. I don't. It's incredible. 
And it's the span of Steph Curry's career is amazing. But it's been amazing every day. It's not just amazing right now. It's been amazing throughout the so process. So you're saying, you're saying tears should be shed every day is what you're saying. Well, yeah, it, it's certainly like, oh, B. Smith, I'm sorry. He just got a great line that I cannot repeat. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just like this is who he is. It's not changed because he got this record. He was always going to obliterate this record. From the moment he got 402 uh, in, in, four, in 15-16, it was always going to go down. So I get it. Records are important. I just think that like the whole the totality of everything is bigger than than most. And I just don't go in for, oh, this moment is now when I feel everything. That's this moment. It's like the whole thing, the whole buildup, the accumulation of it is what's important. I think part of the reason they preferred MSG in the aftermath and said it was best that it was there was because he can get Chase Center going and he can get in the entire crowd like, you know, Steph just hit four straight threes in the third quarter. They're lit up. He, I think, was not necessarily impressed with himself, but like he realized the gravity of the historical moment when he saw like Knicks fans getting up. He 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 mentioned Spike Lee. Yeah. yeah. So he hit the first three, like, you know, I think it was like eleven minutes on the clock in the first quarter. And then he gets the ball on like a possession or two later and he's bringing it down. And he mentions being like, whoa, why is like the whole crowd rising to its feet? That wasn't just like, you know, the Steph fans within the crowd, the entire MSG crowd, including Knicks fans, who, you know, most of them, that's a good home crowd. Like a lot of them were there to cheer the Knicks. When Julius Randle's hitting threes last night, they're cheering. But they're rising to see the Steph Curry historical moment. And then the fact that they did the foul, the timeout, they gave him a three and a half minute timeout. They gave him a whole like, you know, PA congratulations thing. And the entire arena is sitting there giving him a standing. Oh, I think they realize in the aftermath, like, no, like this isn't just a, a moment to celebrate with Warriors fans. It felt more like the entire NBA is celebrating him. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. It made it, it made it a, a league wide sports wide, you know, global thing. It still would have felt a lot of that at Chase Center. Uh, obviously, it would have been on TV. You know, the highlights would have gone out. But yeah, just that. That is MSG, that you have all those, you know, totally, you know, internationally relevant figures there. It's like international crowd. It's just something that's going to take off. No, no question. I think that's what hit Warriors. And, actually, and, and, you know, we talk about the struggle, how it always seems easy for the Warriors. Sometimes you say, okay, they're just breezing through this. They got Durant. They got Steph. It's just going to be easy. And, and I like to talk about it. Sometimes it's hard. You know, there's hard stuff that they're pulling off. And maybe, you know, it didn't, it, hey, getting 16 threes in three games is not that, you know, for Steph is not that big a deal. Or, but I guess he's cold four, right now. Four, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, it was a bit of a struggle. Like it was slumping. a bit of a, he, yeah, he had a fight through it. And so that's part of the story, too. That's a bigger part of the story, if you ask me, that, that it isn't easy, that it is hard, that you're going to go through moments, games, weeks where you're not at your best, and you're just going to fight through it. And the Warriors are fighting through some things right now. And as MT said, the offense is, is not broke, but it's not real good right now. And they're 3-1, and one, and the three of those games are on the road against some pretty good teams. Not great teams, maybe, but pretty good teams. This team's fighting through stuff, and I think that that's, again, an encapsulation of why it was good for them to feel it last night, because their plane doesn't work, they're str- they get their day a game, there's all this, you know, attention, they have, they've been kind of carrying this for a week now, and then it happens, and it's just this explosion of relief, and we all get to see it and, and in some way sharing it. We gotta uh, talk about this defense later. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's... It's getting to the point where it's like, okay, uh, how good is this defense? Like, I don't even think number one is enough 
to say, oh, they're the top rated defense. Like that's not enough. But I think you you pointed out they had the worst defensive rating was one ten. Yeah, in any game. In this any season. game. That's yeah. crazy. No, it is. It, and there's there's a handful of teams that's defensive rating for the season is is worse than one ten. They don't take a night off on defense. I mean, there's like you guys just think back. Is there been any game this season like man, they're getting even if they won it, like it was this is a shootout. They're gonna have to win it with a shootout. They don't. Not the Spurs game, but maybe that's that, just you know not what the way that's the one ten game. Yep, <laughs> there you go, there you go. Like I, that was one where it just there were shots were going in easily for the opponent, which you see in every other team, right? Every other team has games where the shots just seem to be easy down the lane. But the Warriors, that, that you can say that like that game just stands out in blaring contrast to to all the rest, tells you about how good the defense has been this season. That's just one game. Their separation right now between the top defense and the number two is 3.7. Uh, you know, so 100.2 to, to 103.9. And that's the difference between, like, number two and number, like, I'm trying to do the quick math here, but, like, number 11, number 12. I mean, they are, like, leaps ahead of the next best defense. And I do think it's it's the consistency of it. It's just literally they can go into every game knowing they did their scouting. I think the coaching staff is doing a really good job. Draymond is obviously, you know, clearly the leader for defensive player of the year and then everyone else around him including Kevon Looney I think Kevon Looney's kind of having a pretty good season Steph has been really good at the point guard I think Jordan Poole that was a concern going into the season right the Jordan Poole Steph Curry backcourt Jordan Poole just survived I mean he's a starting two guard for the league's best defense that's something he's one of the scrappy ones too like he's not he started off where it was like if he's going he's having a good game but he hasn't been going, but he's figuring out how to manufacture a solid performance. Yeah, yeah. free throw line. He was thirteen and thirteen on free throws. Yeah, also. that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I just mean defensively, like he doesn't he's like he'll have some blow buys, but it's like he's not just like getting you know I think the only guy and it's been lately, like Bielitz has kinda become a soft spot defensively. Bielitz and Damian Lee. Uh we don't have to talk too much about Damian Lee. He's, he's you know, clearly on the outside of the rotation and might be leaving out, but that's a tough one. That's <laughs> are giving them 15 minutes a game and it's been rough and, and the elites has been rough also, but every team's got some of those guys. And yet the Warriors are able to put together a plus defensive effort after a plus defensive effort. Uh, and that's just going to win you a ton of games. It's going to win you playoff games too. Like it's going to, we talk about how they're going to bog down maybe against some tough deep playoff defenses because they have at, at times this season, but like, Teams are going to bog down against them in the playoffs for sure. When when, you know, when they're playing possession by possession and Draymond's calling out the opponent's plays and Iguodala's jumping out for switches. I mean, like this is this is a playoff defense, no question. This is a winning playoff defense, and we'll see where their offense takes them, which is, again, that's always the great, interesting thing about the Warriors. Their defense is the sure thing. Now their offense, and they have Steph Curry on the team, is the one you kind of go, well, we'll see. you got to build some other the offense pieces around Steph. offense is 18th yeah. in December. Yeah. yeah, they're they've they've. Where are they overall? They're like probably they're, like they're just like four. No, they dropped to four, but it's been rough on offense, which is the is the only reason these games are close, right? It's they're playing the defense, and normally they'd have the wave. That's the shocking part. The wave isn't coming. The run it actually came last night. They had thirteen to two run, which ended up being a difference. But thirteen and two you, crawl. It's not a run. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah it wasn't, wasn't a run. Yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> No, they got a wave coming. Uh, it's a, a big, tall shooting guard who is, was left behind in San Francisco uh, during this road trip. That's the wave. Might not hit happen right away, but when you, you you can just see it, right? Can you just feel it? Like these shots that are going to whoever you know, Iguodala, Damian Lee, whoever. Like 
it's going to go to Clay Thompson, and that's going to be boom, 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 and that's how they get their 17-point lead at halftime. And it's not quite happening now and may not happen right away when when Clay comes back, but that's the difference that this team, you know, the, the team that we're used to seeing when it's really good, this is not that team because they're so much more defensive-oriented than, than we've seen them when they've been great, other than, you know, because they've had Durant or, you know, obviously Clay out there. That's the difference, I think, and when you see Clay out there, it just might it might get ridiculous. It really might against a lot of teams. What's a bit surprising, Slater, is that you know obviously they're a really good defensive team, and this is what Steve Kerr is is super focused on. Well, then why isn't Gary Payton playing more? It's kind of weird how he's sitting a long time. I think he's a ninety three point six defensive rating. Like he clearly makes plays when he's out there, and he isn't playing, <laughs> which is, it's odd considering, right? Uh, so imagine. He got smoked by Randall last night off the ball and then was kind of like, looked like he might have got a stinger. He was kind of grabbing towards where the hernia would have been, which we know like has slowed him and he down. He got smoked, smoked yeah, too. He, uh, yeah, he really did. I don't know if that's why you, did he even play in the second half? Maybe briefly. Um, he did, yeah, because he always subs in on that first yeah. step com- when Steph. I just down. don't. I don't know if the, there was any um, injury there, but like in general, I mean, Marcus is right. They're not. They really limit his minutes. I think they just view him as as kind of like a limited offensive piece that has to be kind of used in unique lineups, and they just don't get to those lineups that much. Um, maybe they should get to them more because, like you said, pretty much every one of those lineups has great net rating. Uh, but that would be my guess. I bet you he, he he still stays on the floor when Clay comes back, just because you can put him with Clay, you can put him with Steph, you can put him with Poole. But yeah, it's it's not going to be thirty, you know, twenty five minutes. It's just never going to be that. And then on some nights when you know they got to go guard somebody, he's going to get twenty minutes, and they're going to be good twenty minutes. So they got yeah, some other guys too. I mean, uh, there's Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, there's like there's guys out there that you can go like. Uh, there's some minutes out here that that I could see expanding, and I don't know how they're going to do it. Like people are asking me how they're going to do it when Clay comes back, how they're going to do it when Wiseman comes back, how they can do it with Kaminga. I, I don't know. I thought the Kaminga situation against the Pacers was interesting, where they clearly, I mean, they were down nine early in the second quarter, were just like super uh, low energy. Bielitsa was really struggling. Like you know, I, I remember one time he got kind of like put into the stanchion for a layup and you just look so glum about it. Damian Lee's obviously struggling and he puts Kaminga in. You guys were watching. It's like immediate downhill layup off a, you know, Steph high screen. Um, and then he, he makes a couple plays on Sabonis. They put him out there to guard Sabonis and it's like, oh, that's the way better than when Bielitsa was guarding Sabonis. And they're plus 11 in those six minutes. And you're thinking going into the second half, like, all right, well, he's this is the same thing that happened that, took him out of the rotation three weeks earlier, which was in Cleveland, Kaminga struggled in the first half, so they went to JTA, then it was JTA in the second half, and it was JTA really for the next few weeks. But he didn't go back to Kaminga. And then I asked him post game, and he was like, "Well, we thought about it, but you know, these are we want to give the chance to the guys who got us to this point, twenty one and five. And there still is that like tug of war of like trying to prove to the veterans in the locker room that it's about winning now. It's not about prioritizing the future, but it's like, you know, and Draymond even kind of said it like, then Kaminga can help now. And he's just like fighting that a little bit, I think. Coaches always want His defensive rating is 87, yeah. by the way. Like, <laughs> it's a small yeah, sample size. Yeah, by the way, Sabonis but... wasn't scoring over him at all. Julius Randle last night, he, he came in, 
Julie Tranter was like really like oh, I gotta like muscle by this guy. And he and he couldn't just, like, move him. Bump. Yeah, no. he oh, could no, not move him. Move. Yeah, did not move him. And that's what surprised me. Is like, yeah, you rookies earn minutes with their defense. Kaminga is really good on defense, and he's still not really earning minutes. You can just see Kerr is being very, very, very strict with the, the minutes there. But I think it's it's leading towards it. It's leading towards him getting whenever that is. It has to because he's. It's not like development anymore. Like he's good. He's like better than some of their other options. A lot of nights. Some nights, no, I would agree with that. But a lot of nights, especially when they need energy, when they just need someone who could go get a bucket and athleticism. Yes, Draymond being Draymond just summarized it so perfectly. He has talents that other guys on this great team don't have. Like that, what I always say, go get a two. Who can go get a two when everything else is guarded? Kaminga can do that. And and Draymond was saying, basically that's what he was saying. Like he can go do stuff. Might be sloppy. You might have to live through it. But again, they don't have anybody else. Like someone gets the ball in the middle. They're just throwing it right back out because they can't do anything with it. And he can get the ball and say, okay, I'm turning the corner and I'm going to finish. And you're gonna, I'm going to get a bucket or you're fouling me. Well, that, that's Draymond now. Draymond's that Yeah, guy Draymond now. was really good in, in Indy. My God, Draymond was fantastic. Looney was fantastic in Indy, obviously, too. Again, it isn't like projecting. He's, he's just, he can just do it right now. You might as well get him some minutes. The problem is you got Wiseman, the same thing. Uh, and you have to fit Clay in, so there's going to be a real tough calculus work, lineup calculus right now. We'll get into that when they're all back, but they've got a lot of good players. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, (laughs) I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The athleticism jumps out like it when they get on the court, especially when they're playing other teams who's, who are running athletes out there. It's the same with uh, GP, too. Like the reason like you're like, yo, where is he? Because he's so athletic, like you, it, it jumps out. You could you could you notice when he's not on the court 
And like when when Kaminga gets on the court, there's automatic like you just start seeing like yo who's that moving really fast? Like who's that shoving people out the way? Like yo who is that that got that high for that? You know it's it, he just like you can see it like with Steph Banks shot last night and and Kaminga's just bouncing up and it goes in, but his head's like right where the ball. It's is. crazy, like, yeah. Like this guy's unbelievable. It really just pops. Uh, you know. These hands gonna be forced eventually. It is gonna be forced. It kind of already has been, but the problem is he takes jumpers and they don't like. He takes threes and he is wide open and you're still sitting there like, eh, don't take that. Like just drive into that open space. In Indy, he got pulled right after he shot like a. He was like a 21 footer with like his back foot on the line. It was like, oh god, that was such a bad decision. And then you should know, Bielitsa did go four or four from three last night, including a deep one. Like that should probably be mentioned because. Those are the minutes I see him taking, and you do kind of take floor spacing out of the equation, but I don't know. I mean, Bielita was good in the pick and roll with Steph, in the pick and pop with Steph. Like, But the problem with him is he just doesn't fire. He doesn't shoot it enough. We talked about it. He's, he fell in love with like the playmaking Bielita that, honestly, they were talking up big time because he came into camp. He made a few driving passes. He went into Staples. He like had three assists to close the opener, and it was like, Point Bielitsa. And then now it's like, dude, just catch and shoot. Now it's turnover Bielitsa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just that's, chuck it, bro. Like, just yeah. go. Well, again, this is a name I throw out there that gets me in trouble, but JTA is another one whose minutes could, could get shaved down specifically by Wiseman, but Kaminga too. You know, like, JTA gives him a ton of things. I always say that, but the ability to turn the corner and get to the rim is not one of them in traffic. So. He's turning the corner, he's getting to the rim, and he's turning to look to pass the ball out. <laughs> yes, and the defense know it every single time. Again, he gives them a ton. I'm not saying he doesn't. But when you start talking about like where Kaminga's special, he's special with talents that are a bit beyond that. And we'll see with Wiseman. Wiseman might be more directly related to JTA. We'll see. You know, the all Wiseman, Bielitsa, JTA, Kaminga. I think they're going to be waiting on Wiseman, though. Again, yeah. I don't want to get into the conversation because we keep having it, but it's gonna take a know, while. I'm like not even calculating him in. I like to to me like the clay conversation is here, right? The Wiseman one is just not right now. I'll just say you know we talk about veterans you know earning it and Steve wanting to stay with them. Like well, veterans are kind of like think Wiseman's earned it a little bit, right? I think they do think they've been around him working. They like his attitude, so they kind of would like to see Wiseman get some minutes. They keep saying it. So that's where I go. Like they're gonna get, they're gonna give Wiseman a crack at this over Kaminga, maybe even though we're seeing it from Kaminga, just because the veterans like feel like they can trust Wiseman, or at least have felt what he can do in practices or in scrimmages or whatever they've seen him in three on three, whatever it's been. And he's gonna get a shot at this, a little bit of shot. Well, they need a big, and like you know, Kaminga's a small ball big, but they got plenty of small ball bigs. Wiseman is legitimately a seven footer, which they don't have uh, at all besides him. But I think part of like you hearing that from the veterans, I think that's their strategy for like keeping Wiseman engaged, engaged. You know, because I mean, we know his personality. I mean, I mean, you saw it last year, right? Every time he hit, fouled somebody or made a mistake, it was like drop the head. Like, oh man, you screwed up, James. So I think part of them saying that is like, hey, you know, you're on this team. You're going to be good. He's got to get on the court. He's still not scrimmaging. We'll get a sense for Clay's return. 
hopefully maybe what three four days you think later and we'll get word of it not that he's going to return obviously but like towards the end of this trip i would think they're going to start handing yeah i mean my like sense that. is from a marketing standpoint like you don't want the crowd to show up and be like he's questionable for <laughs> you know is this tonight like you probably want like game three. time decision game time decision <laughs> we'll see i mean i don't know they've been careful through this whole process so Again, we've talked 20th is by far, like definitely the earliest, as we know, and that's coming up. That logistically might be difficult. I mean, they're playing in Toronto on the 18th, and then they have an off day the 19th. So I, 23rd, 28th, we'll see. But it's soon, as we all know. What, whatever soon is, if it's, if it's you know, five, six, seven days from now, or if it's 13 days from now, like it's very much on the horizon. What really made me feel like Clay's comment is that was there a Clay comment about Steph breaking the record? I don't think there was like Instagram, whatever. I just think he's like, he's not even into that. He's like just gripping to get back in. And I'm sure there will be a comment from Clay will congratulate Steph at some point or maybe privately, but that there wasn't a public one made me feel like he's not into celebration right now. He's into getting back on the floor in games. It just hit me like there I wouldn't expect a Clay celebration right now because he's not celebrating. He's working his ass off to get back in games. Pop quiz for you: Who's the last? Nemanja went four for four, and he only from three, and he only took four threes. Steph did it once in 2014. Just uh, four for four, just, or four like, for four, or, or better. Made all four threes and didn't exactly take five four. and six. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Who, who's four the last four. player to do it? Last Warriors player, you mean? Yeah, I last Warriors guess. player. Durant, I mean, the fact that you said Steph did in 2014 means it was probably before that. I would guess Durant. I mean, I've seen Durant have those. That was actually last before. year, to be honest. <laughs> uh, okay. Jordan Poole? No. no. Uh, Eric Paschal? Eric Paschal. No. Eric Paschal? <laughs> did he make for uh, Kent Bazemore? Oh, oh, nice, nice. I said, I, I know it wasn't Brad Wanamaker. <laughs> so, it, it wasn't I don't think he made four. I don't think he Bazemore, made four. Bazemore, Mulder, and Spellman all did it. Four for four. Jeez. Yeah, Spellman all did it before, and then the one before that, like they did it all recently, but it just it hadn't happened since Brandon Rush in 2016. I was just trying to think who on the Warriors makes four threes and doesn't take a heat check five at least, right? I was gonna say Barbosa. That would have been like you know one of those slick throw in there, boom, boom, boom. That's it. Goodbye. Thank you, everybody. Justin Holiday. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was some day. I can't believe Steph's done it twice. Chris Mullen is is on the list. That makes more sense. Uh, you just don't see dudes make four threes and just like, yeah, I'm, I'm good on four. Not on the Warriors. Like, <laughs> you you take four, you make it four. Not in this era. Like you are you are putting those next three up. Period. That's this in this era. The one thing I'm gonna look, was gonna look at like what uh, I shouldn't even say this, but yeah, like Steph was probably averaging what six a game in his first few years attempts even like. He wasn't averaging anything. Like I remember when he was like at ten a game. Like, Whoa, he's averaging ten a game. This is crazy. And now what is he averaging? Fifteen, sixteen a game. Uh, he is currently thirteen point four threes per game right now, which is a his lot. first. He didn't Attempt. average five threes a game for his first three years. He was under five. Yeah. Four point yeah, yeah. seven. I, I, I just remember when he was averaging ten. I was going, "What in the hell?" It is happened. The first year he averaged ten a game was twenty fifteen sixteen. So that was year four hundred two of them. So yeah, yeah it, it's just like I might be writing a little bit about this. I was just I was just thinking about it and just how this started, and you know when did we all start thinking about when Steph was going to break the record? And it clearly wasn't until that season because he would he have like two hundred and fifty, two sixty, whatever it was the year before, maybe two seventy. I, I think uh, we thought about it. A l- we thought it was possible when he broke Ray Allen's single season record. 
Yeah, so it's right in that era. But then when he started jacking ten a game, then, you know, then it became right? it became an yeah. inevitability. Like you start looking at the calendar, add it up. Like when when is this happening? I'm not trying to to, to be a hater, but you see what he's shooting from three this year? No, it's career low. It's career low, right? Forty. Thirty nine point nine. Yeah. Whoa. He went under whoa, forty. Whoa. He's not yeah, gonna it's like career that. Low. Yeah. He's career low field goal, right? I think. Like these are he's not shooting the ball well. That's he's he's an incredible plus player, number one in the league in plus minus. Warriors are the best team in the league, and he's not shooting well. That's the amazing thing. I think, and I mean defensively, there's been a lot of discussion about stuff. I look, I'm really looking at he's playing great defense right now. He's playing fantastic defense. So, like, there's all these other reasons why he's been so good, he's been so valuable. He's not shooting the ball well though. He's not shooting twos. Like his twos are way down. His free throws. His are down. twos are like, under under five hundred for the first time. Yep. He's shooting yep. forty nine I mean, five. And he dominated on twos last. What was it like sixty percent from two last season? Some ridiculous number. There's reasons. There's things that are going on here, but he's going to get hot. We on all Twitter, they saying it's a decline. Is it decline Steph Curry? Yes, he's declining, right? That's what. That's what I, I thought on the. I thought on the road trip, and some of it was was the record for sure. You could tell, like Philly didn't want him to break it there, Indy didn't want him to break it there. But like defenses are playing him really good right now, and they're they're still building these defensive minded lineups around him. He just need that, a bad team. That's all. He need to, <laughs> he need to face a well, bad team. he got defense. one last night. Alec Burks was certainly not attached to him as much as he needed to be. That was who was guarding him to start the game. And happily gave up two immediate threes to to give him the record, but he's missing open threes. He's missing some open he's threes, but even wide open I just threes. mean I, teams are really defending them well lately. They are defending that drive, right? I mean, we've seen it when it's wide open. He just goes in there with a little lefty, and he's in. And like they're they're collapsing on him, and he's having to make those jump passes, and those are turning into turnovers. It's all adjustment back and forth. Maybe it's the fouls, like that's not calling as many fouls. That's that's Kerr's theory about why his free throws numbers now but uh, it's just interesting it's interesting to see and still be able to just say there's so much value here even when he's not shooting great what happens when he goes on that run you know he goes that month-long Steph Curry post all-star break or whatever we've seen and it's just ridiculous and then you know the numbers are just going to be mind-boggling and maybe that's when Clay comes back you know and 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 then it's just going to be a dance to 65 wins. I don't know. I don't know what is going to end up, but it's happened like this and he's still not shooting the ball well. There's something else I want to talk about, which I feel like is a storyline on the horizon that maybe because the Warriors are so good and they have the Curry situation and Clay coming up, we're not discussing, but COVID is raging through the league right now. And the Bulls are inactive basically right now because they have 10 guys in protocols. You know, Charlotte's got a bunch. The Knicks, who they played last night, sent a few in the protocol. It's very much East coast teams mostly although the lakers right now are going through something the warriors are on the east coast the warriors are on the spending, east coast yep. yeah yep. they're spending the next two night two days in new york city including today is a complete day off in new york city which means tonight is a day off and they're going to have to do team wide testing going into toronto and team wide testing getting out of toronto which is in a, a few days you know, I don't know if any cases are going to be caught or what. And Steve Kerr, who was asked about it last night, mentioned, like, this isn't just an NBA thing. I mean, like, the Browns' entire offense right now is basically going into COVID protocol. and like Yeah, NFL getting crushed, too, yeah. But, you know, this is interesting. It's like now it's like a testing thing. It's like because they're testing, you know, even vaccinated people and positive tests are coming up, 
they're getting hit. Like the tests are so prevalent still. Like, and the question is, should they be testing this much still? If you're not, you know, if you're if you're not going to pa- be passing along that much, it doesn't seem like they're, it's as infectious when you're out there on a football field or basketball court. I don't know. I'm just seeing those questions. That part of this is just because of the testing process. But well, it, it is also not trying to make a moral judgment here, but it is it is a, a look at how how thorough teams are treating this. Like some teams are just getting hit by it, and some teams are not. Again, a lot of that is a circumstance of where they are. Uh, and the testing processes and the vaccination rates where the teams are. And when you're traveling, you, you don't have the benefit that you're not picking and choosing where you are. But it is interesting to look at which teams are getting hit and which not. And may, maybe some teams are just better at handling this, are more careful, more disciplined than others. In some cases, I think some cases this is most this is random. But in a lot of cases or some cases, it's Who's the one that's mostly disciplined about this and isn't exposing themselves to some of this? That's just the way I'm looking at it. The Warriors just sent out a release two minutes ago saying that uh, they're now requiring fans between ages 2 and 11 years old to show proof of vaccine or negative tests. Where before, if you were under that age, previous, I guess you could have a negative test in a certain time span within like 72 hours but now you got to come with it so uh you can tell there's kind of be a heightened sense which you know only makes sense this this has been predicted that the winter would be a rough time and we're in the winter so a lot holidays, of this holiday a lot of know, this we lot knew of people, was coming yeah and the warriors took their they they had their covid hit last year like the where it impacted the team but so far this year outside of uh the early vaccination drama with wiggins I think this Toronto trip will really test it because they have to test everybody to go in and everybody to go out. And it's at the end. It's the fifth game of a five-game trip before they go home. And after New York, after many days in New York, too. Yeah, so... And Slater, you got to get tested too, right? You got to, you got to go. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you, I'm not going to oh, Toronto. That's right. That's right. You're not going to Toronto for for various reasons, including yeah. That's he, why he was crying in New York that the record was over <laughs> because it meant there would be no record chasing in Toronto. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. If he still had a, he still had the like, record to go in Toronto. Oh, oh, I was definitely calculating, and I was like, "You're really gonna rust him in Indy? Like that might put <laughs> Toronto in play." Would you really like to get this out of the way? Like you really shouldn't want to get this out of the way. I should mention Toronto. I think a rest night is coming, probably in Toronto. Boston's possible, but I think the preference obviously would be play in Boston after two off nights in. New York and considering everything that's gone into this Toronto and the, they're probably going to get to the hotel at 3 a.m. They have to go through customs. It's going to be a really difficult situation to me. That's a Kaminga Moody Jordan pool night. Go get the Raptors. Chioza. Get Chioza out there. Chioza will be getting some minutes <laughs> that night. Yes. Theore- I mean, I've, maybe I've heard MT say this too much, but uh, I, I, they need to get Steph some rest. Like they, I can see them re- I would might think about resting them both nights myself. I think the NBA would frown on that. But like, do you really need him playing b- both games or, or either game at this point? Uh, again, you don't you you want to play your best players. You don't want to be seen that you're just withholding. But people are buying tickets for these games. If I'm the Warriors, I might think about resting them both games. That's me over over caution, but. You, you want him fresh for the end. Like you want him fresh for the end of these, not not just grinding through these games in late December and early January. He'll play one of the two, but I would think about resting him for both. 
the interesting part is we know he he likes playing in Toronto, right? Like he's got the the sentimental connection there, but that obviously makes the most sense <laughs> as far as the game to not play. Is there a chance the people who won't play won't go? Remember how Pop used to send people home? Yeah, yeah, but they're on the road yeah, while they're like going. their their plane stuff, is yeah. going, and you know I don't think Draymond's going to be taking a Delta indirect back <laughs> from Boston to SFO. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Joe Lake could charter a flight. I'm sure. I'll probably get more clarity on that in the next couple of days. I mean, that, like I said, they're taking d- today completely off. They're practicing tomorrow in New York. I think we'll get a better plan. My guess is yes, they will go. I mean, Joe could probably go to most Boston games, and he could be flying out from there. Like, he may not be going to Toronto, so just have the plane ready and have a few guys on the plane with Joe flying back. Theoretically. Theoretically. We shall see. We shall see. I think Draymond, too. I think they're both missing one of those games. And, you know, it just sets up that way. And and fans should calculate this appropriately. Like, this is going to happen. They're not, Steph isn't going to play the rest of the games. It's going to be more than 70 at this point. Right. And like, obviously, if he gets injured, he missed whatever that requires. But barring no injury, where do they find 11 games to sit him? Right. Like he's on pace to play far more than that. I don't get it. I don't understand why that's the case. I mean, obviously, Steph wants to play every game, but I mean, he's 33 years old and he hasn't played 70 games in five years. So it just feels weird to for him to be out here playing 78 games in the season. But <laughs> it's this is where they are now. Part of it is because they they started winning more than what they thought. It's hard to pull a it's hard to pull a plug on that. But at some point you you just wonder how much how much risk there is in running a dude out there while Dray- Draymond too, by the way. Like Draymond probably more so than Steph, right? Like they they've both played twenty seven out of twenty eight games. I mean look they're paying a lot of money too, as well, right? Like so. <laughs> hey, when Clay comes back, they're gonna want all three of them out there, right? I mean, you don't want Clay running around by himself, so like they're gonna play through that too, and then they're gonna want to play them with Clay and Wiseman. Like I, I get all this. You, you want a flow, you want a rhythm, but you also don't want Steph and Draymond to be running, you know, run a little empty gas tank, you know, heading into the back end of April. That's what you don't want to do. You know, we're getting to a point of the season. I think it's okay to start talking about this. Like, they're going to be in a seedings war with Phoenix and Utah. Phoenix right now is twenty-two and five, so they're only a half game back. And Utah's nineteen and seven, but Utah's won seven in a row. They're crushing teams. Their net rating is almost equal to the Warriors at this point, and they look like an equal foe as Phoenix. So, yeah, they found a groove for sure. You just shovel a few losses in the barrel then you're behind you you're suddenly the three seed and i mean that's fine to be the three seed but you know then then any you, that means you have to play one of the other two in the second round at their home and then you you know you like if if there's three really good teams you want to be the one seed for because you can avoid the other two in the second round so that's just something to know when they had durant it really didn't matter <laughs> because you had durant like we're gonna you're gonna win on any floor anytime anywhere but they don't have durant now they might have a really good team but that this is different than that. That it's funny how you think that because I just remember when they had to, it just didn't matter. Were they going to lose? It was like yeah, like be rested yeah, no, yeah, yeah, at, exactly. at the four seed, and who cares, right? Just be yeah. healthy. It just didn't matter, and and this it just it does matter at some point, as it does for all teams. It's just when they had Durant, I just never thought of this. In fact, like, hey, fine, lose games. Who cares? And then come back, and you're just going to blow through teams. And they, they did several times. You know who else is surging, by the way? Memphis. 
Memphis, that's the team that they don't want to yeah, play. I guess that's the team they, they don't want to play Memphis. in the playoffs. Wherever Memphis ends up, that's the this team they don't This is too want. early to be discussing this, but listen to if the playoffs started today, you know, that thing, the different paths uh, if you're the one seed compared to the three. Right now, the Warriors are at one, would play a play-in opponent that would probably be, it would be either Minnesota, Minnesota Sacramento, Sac- or Denver. <laughs> And then in the second round, they would get either Memphis or the Clippers. So that would be their first two rounds. Whereas the Jazz right now at the three would get the Lakers in the first round and then Phoenix in Phoenix to start the second round. That's a lot different. Listen, if Sacramento gets a play-in game and loses, is that still uh, they put a banner up? I think so. I mean, that's better than they've done in the last 15 years. Hey, if Sacramento gets into the play-in, the Warriors are rooting for Sacramento. Sacramento. You know, as somebody who who was trying to dip into the Sacramento waters this year and just was like, ooh, maybe I don't want to do that. did, have, did you see the road trip they, they just had? I know they were down by 31 or something to one of them. Yeah. First of all, they yeah, went into yeah. Charlotte and lost to a Charlotte team that was playing James Book Knight and a few other rookies because LaMelo Ball and like half their teams in protocols lost there. Then they lost to Cleveland. They, like you said, they, they gave 81 in the first half. And then they were down like 40 in the first half to Toronto. And then now Alvin Gentry's in COVID protocols. And I guess Doug Christie's going to be their head coach. I don't know. There you go. Doug Christie, my pal. Like it's hilarious, but I'm just wondering if this is net. You know, they get into the into the, into the play in and lose by 50. They're still putting a banner up because they made it to the play in. They made it to the play in in the postseason. Oh my God! What the Warriors would do to get Sacramento in the first round? Oh my God! They would. There would be some some ritual sacrifices if they could be able to get well, that. Well, that's because right now Portland is out. Portland's 11. They take Portland in the first round, too, by the way. They take Portland, too. Like, anything where it's, like, less than a three-hour flight. They uh, take Portland easier. Given the history of their long flights through this whole playoff run, where they had Memphis and Houston and San Antonio, uh, they will take a short flight every single time. That's a peak at the West right now. That you can get into the play-in right now with an eleven and seventeen record. The Kings are eleven and seventeen, lost three in a row, fired their coach. It's just a disaster, and they're the ten seed. And in the East, Atlanta's got the last spot at thirteen and fourteen, which is a which is a significantly better record with this and a significantly number. better team that's just been like struggling, you know. But a team we, we need know to reseed the playoffs. Reseed. Oh, wait a minute! All the people complaining about it all those years we were complaining about it the other way that the West was stacked. And but well, now the play-in gets yeah. it. So you're the tenth seed, and you're in. it's <laughs> yeah. like. Uh, well, and the Warriors didn't get in last year. They did not get into the playoffs. They were in the play. They were in the play in, but I just, they didn't even get in the playoffs. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, next time we we might have an even bigger, a bigger, more important episode. More tears. More, more, more tears. tears. Tim, will you be will you be tearing up? Oh, Tim! It, ooh, Tim! Tim is gonna be tough. I'll be tearing up just just thinking about the podcast about the tears. I'll be Tim I'll is be gonna full on ugly cry. Like, it's, it's going down <laughs> on the pod next time. Tim's going to cry about the coverage that he's just like, gosh. Uh, I am not going to say anything. I'm not, I, I did that. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I understand that people are emotional. It isn't the way the media should approach this, however. That's my point. But oh, well, it's all good. It's all good. That's an excellent way to end. TK with the advice for the media landscape. <laughs> Until next time, when Clay is back, baby, we are out. Omaha! Omaha!
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.